Welcome to the weekly podcast of Soul Purpose Evangelical Church, located in the city of Middletown, New York. Today's message will be brought to you by our senior pastor, Reverend Albert Feliciano Sr. Each week we stream our live recorded services to encourage, build up, and edify our listening audience. Our aim is to share with you the uncompromised and infallible word of the living God. Our prayer is that today's message will draw you closer in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And now, here is Pastor Albert with today's word. Praise the Lord. Well, this morning is a very special morning, not only because it's the first Sunday of 2021, but this is the time of year where I believe the, the word of the Lord, the vision that the Lord has given me to share with the people, I want to impart onto the church this morning. The title of my message is You Are Essential. Uh, we're going to be reading two small portions of scripture from the book of John 15, verses 9 through 17. And then we're going to read Matthew chapter 10, verses 7 and 8. Both are found in the Gospels. In the New Testament, if you have it, say amen. amen. Praise the Lord. I'm in the book of John, chapter 15, starting at verse number 9, and the word of the Lord says, As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you love me, Excuse me. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all the things that I heard from the Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me. Mm. You did not choose me. So don't get it twisted. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you that you love one another. And now let's turn to Matthew chapter 10. I'm going to be reading two verses, verses 7 and 8. And the word says, And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Listen very closely to what verse says. Verse 8 says, Heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. 
Glory to God. Saints of the Most High, you may take your seats this morning. Do not be afraid, hallelujah, of truth. Truth will set the captive free. Glory to God. I want to just tell you this morning that 2020 is over. Hallelujah. We've been hearing uh, uh, this whole year about the word essential. Have you heard this word this year? How many times have you heard the word essential being thrown around quite a bit this year? The word essential was used and, and even abused. It's, it's even out of control and it's being used to intimidate people and to control people and to tell them their value and their worth. We have governors using or making draconian laws and malicious rules to put people in place under them. Hallelujah. All under the guise of keeping them safe and keeping them uh, 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 perfect and healthy and whole. Uh, but the reality is telling them that they are essential or not essential. Our self-proclaimed emperor... Governor Cuomo has caused many people in our land, many people in this state to lose their apartments, to lose their homes, to lose their jobs. The governors are cashing their paychecks, but we don't even get to work. They want you to stay home to be safe. And they're sending you little miserable stimulus checks every so often to keep you happy. People are losing everything. Some people have committed suicide. And he continues to declare many people unessential. Yet he and his family and his leaders, they're essential. They're allowed to get a paycheck. They're allowed to enjoy their life and go to restaurants and haircuts and all the other stuff. I'm not getting political, but I'm talking the truth this morning. So don't get mad at me. Hallelujah. I can feel it in the atmosphere. I ain't scared of y'all today. I'm telling you now. I'm here with a mandate. Praise God. I got to tell you the truth. Today, God is telling you and God wants you to know that you are essential. In fact, that theme, that word, essential, is the theme for this year for sole purpose, evangelical church. Turn to your neighbor say, you are essential. That's right. Tell everybody in the room, you are essential. God is calling you essential. The church, the children of the most high God, you are essential. You are most essential to God's plan on earth. 2021, God is going to work through the essential people, which is the church. Did you know that before God said, let there be light, let there be dark, he had predestined you. You are on his heart. Many people don't even know what the word predestined means. Predestined means to be predetermined, to be preordained or thought about in advance. How about this? Before action. That means before anything started, you were predestined. That means God already had you in his mind, in his heart. He was already thinking of you when the earth was void and formless. That is a concept and a thought that is mind-boggling. A matter of fact, your name 
was written in the Lamb's book of life before he said, let there be light. God knew who his elect were. And don't get it twisted with this Calvinism nonsense. The reason why he knows is he knows the beginning from the end. God knows everything. And he knew the day where you would come to the altar, where you would stand to your feet. He knew the day of your salvation. And he wrote your name in the Lamb's book of life. And let me tell you, if your name is not in there, you better get it in there today. Don't leave this place. Don't leave this place without having your salvation secure in Christ Jesus. You may never get another chance. You are essential to God. You are his most prized possession. You are the apple of his eye. Listen to Romans 8, 29 through 30. It says, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That means we have two eyes, two ears, a brain, we have a hair. We, we look just like God does in heaven. We are the only creature on planet earth created after the image of God himself. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, those he also called. Guess what? You're called this morning. Whom he called, those he also justified. And whom he justified, those he also glorified. So let me tell you something. While the governors and mayors and even family members are saying, you're never going to amount to nothing. You're never going to be good enough. You're never going to be essential. I'm telling you right now, those are lies from the pit of hell. God says that you are his beloved. You are his uh, apple of his eye. You are essential to God's plan. God knew you before you were even made. Think about this. While you were in the womb. Even before you were introduced in the womb, he knew you. God allowed your mom and dad to have a twinkle in their eye for one another. Hallelujah. Don't you know that grandpa, grandma, and mom and dad, they put it all together. The DNA, the gene pool was perfect to make you. And that's why we're to honor our mother and father because it's the only commandment with promise. God chose them to create you. You are the perfect creation of Father God. Let me tell you a few verses of scripture to give you some facts. God knew Jeremiah while he was still in his mother's womb. Think about that. Jeremiah 1.5 it says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you as a prophet to the nations. That means the call of God is already upon your life before you draw your first breath. God has a plan for your life. God wants you to be active, to be involved. What's your role in the kingdom? So many people have no idea that God's hand is already upon them before life. Life begins at conception. People are trying to call babies a mass of cells, a, a, a fetus. Isn't it funny? They call it a fetus so you could abort it. But if, but if a woman who's pregnant gets murder, murdered, they call it a double homicide. 
Did you know that John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Spirit before he was born? I mean, think about this. This is the God that we know. Hallelujah. The God that loves us. John the Baptist was called to prepare the way of the Lord. And before he was born, the Spirit of God filled him in the mother's womb. Glory to God. God would release his Holy Spirit even before the Spirit was released on the world, on mankind. This should show us that God, not only does he call you, but he equips you. God provides everything that you need to accomplish your life's mission. Listen to these verses of scripture. Luke 1, 5. Or excuse me, Luke 1, 15, it says, For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. Some of y'all shouldn't be drinking anything. Hallelujah. I'm telling you the truth because you can't handle it. You don't know how to have a glass of wine with dinner. That's a sermon for another day. Hallelujah. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. Luke 1, 41, it says, And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, that the babe leaped inside of her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you, when God says that he's going to fill you with the Spirit, when God says that his call is upon your life, he will follow through. The question is, will you follow through? Some of y'all might be saying, well, you know, this is cool, Pastor. It sounds pretty interesting. But how do you know that God's call is upon my life? Let me bring it to you. Hallelujah. Let me give you the word. Psalm 139.13. This is when the Lord says his eye is on you right even in the mother's womb. It says you form my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. The question is, people of God, are you allowing God to work out his master plan in your life? Are you allowing God to reveal his perfect will to you? Or are you just satisfied with your salvation? Do you know that you are essential to God's plan? The question is, why are you essential? What are you essential for? What is God calling you to do this year? What is the big deal about salvation itself? I believe this year that God is about to crystallize some truths into the life of every believer in this room. He's going to remove all doubts to those that want to know more about his plan. There will be no more guessing. There will be no more double-mindedness. You will know this year, 2021, you will know God's will for your life. The question is, are you going to trust and obey his will? Last two Sundays ago, praise God, I thank Pastor Richie and Pastor Daisy for sharing the word of God. They were both powerful words of God. But if you remember the word, the responding in obedience was the Christmas message. And the other one, obedience through trials. You see, we had a theme about obedience. God is not moved by our success. God is not moved by how much money you have in the bank. God is not moved by how talented you are or how beautiful, how pretty, how handsome you are. God is moved 
by your obedience towards him. Obedience is better than sacrifice. One of my favorite quotes from Dr. Cole, a ton of prayer will never produce what an ounce of obedience can. Because what happens is people could spend 40 days and nights in fasting and in prayer. And then right after 40 days, they do one stupid thing, one deliberate act of disobedience, and you've just erased, you've just nullified 40 days of fasting and prayer. How about this? Try obedience. Just obey. Do the next thing in obedience that God tells you to do, and you'll always be in the perfect will of God. Amen. Jesus was obedient. Philippians 2.8, listen to this. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Jesus lived his life as an example for us to follow. Jesus led by example. We see in the morning's passage, it says, as the Father loves me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. Are we abiding in the love of Christ? He says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. This is an answer to a question. If you are keeping the commandments of God, if you are trying to follow his path, follow his plan, then it would be a lot easier to abide in his love. How many know that when you're surrendering your life to God, it's a little easier to obey the Lord? When you're bucking the system, when you're fighting against God, you will find it very difficult to be obedient unto God. The most miserable place for any person on earth is in their struggle with their obedience unto God. If you are on the seesaw of Christianity, jump off this morning in the name of Jesus. If you are straddling the fence, get off the fence. Hallelujah. Let me tell you something. If you're going to go to hell, don't go to hell for a pack of cigarettes. Do crack, do drugs, do everything. Do it all. I'm telling you the truth. I said it. If you're going to go to hell for the rest of eternity and you don't want to serve God, don't go to hell for nothing. Listen, if whatever you do, do it all. Right? But if you're going to serve God, if you're going to love the Lord, then love him with all of your heart. Forsake all others. Give your whole life to God. God doesn't want stepchildren. Weekend visits. Many of us come to church like God is our stepdad. Well, it's Sunday. got to go see dad. And then Monday through Saturday, you live like you don't even know who he is. Listen, our love has to be genuine. You know, you don't want to share your mate with the world or share the, the, your wife or your husband with somebody else. You want all. It's not uh, 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 unthinkable or unimaginable to expect all. We deserve all. I'm giving all. We're doing life. You can't run. I'll chase you. She tried. She called me an extraterrestrial. You know that? <laughs> Leave me alone. Leave me alone. I said, no, you're the one. You don't know it yet. You're the one. You're going to bear my children. 
I'm telling you, we're going to have a house, car, all that. We, we're doing it all. And you know what? We've done it all. We're grandparents now. We got eight little funchy heads. That's, that's a made-up word. Funchy means sweet and lovable. A funchy head. But listen, whatever you do, do it all or do it not. What is Jesus saying in these words? He says, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full, that your joy may be complete. Listen, if you're abiding in the love of God, your joy will be full no matter what is going on outside, no matter what you're hearing on the radio, no matter what you're seeing on your TV screen. Your joy is not based on what's happening outside. Your joy is based on what's happening inside. The Spirit of God is within you. Praise the Lord. Jesus is saying, listen, if you want to have a loving, lasting, joyful, wonderful life, then it requires obedience. How many know that obedience is the proof of our love for God? Do you know that your children, the proof of their love is their surrender to your rule? Your children, you know that they love you because they do what you tell them to do. They trust no matter what. Well, mommy said don't go there, so I'm not going to go there. Daddy said don't touch that, so I'm not going to touch it because if I do, pow, pow. And after a few pow, pows, he said, okay, I can't do that anymore. But we get, a, we get to be adults, and we're like, nah, touch it, slap, ah, touch it, slap. And it's like God has to keep, you know, I mean, when are we going to learn? Praise God. Hallelujah. No obedience, no joy. No obedience, no relationship. Do you know relationship with God is based upon obedience? He says, if you keep my commandments. Look at the word if. That's a loaded word. You know that God's promises are conditional. God's love is unconditional. But his promises have conditions. If you keep my commandments, if you abide in my love, if, then your joy will be full. Obedience is the foundation to every fruitful ministry. It is the bedrock. It is your base. Obedience is the evidence that you are surrendered unto God. Let me tell you, you can't call him Lord if you aren't surrendered to him. You can't say, oh, Lord, I love you, Lord. But then you go out and do whatever you want to do as you don't have a Lord. You have to get under alignment with the Spirit of God. Let me tell you, and I, I, I say this with fear and with trembling, but it's the truth. If I didn't tell you, I would be uh, 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 missing the mark as a, a minister of the Word of God and the Word of truth. But so many people, even now in this very room, are in deep, deep, deep danger in deep trouble because they believe that they are in right standing with God you can't go to heaven because you're a friend of the pastor you can't go to heaven because your mom is praying for you you can't go on somebody else's ticket 
It's an individual walk. Turn to your neighbor and say, I know he's talking about you right now. Praise God. I know it. There's no question. He's talking about you. Yep. Listen, Matthew 7, 21 through 23. Listen to what the word of God says. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not casted out demons in your name? Have we not done many wonders in your name? And listen, this is what Jesus is going to answer. He says, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Wow. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. How dreadful it will be for anyone to hear those words come out of the mouth of God. Oprah Winfrey, she tells us all, we're all children of God. That's a lie. That's the same lie that we all, when we die, we all get angel wings and we become angels. That's a lie. You know what's another lie? That, oh, my loved one passed on, and now we've got an angel in heaven watching over us. Lie! There's, the Bible says there's a chasm fixed between heaven and hell, and between earth and, and the supernatural. There's a chasm that's fixed. You can read it. I believe it's Luke 16, the rich man and Lazarus. They couldn't communicate. They, they couldn't go to each other because of the great chasm. That's why you're supposed to stay away from psychics and fortune tellers and mediums because they're tapping illegally into the spirit realm and they're impersonating Aunt June and, and Uncle Bob. Do you know that there are demons assigned to every person on earth? And the demons were with Aunt June and Uncle Bob their whole life. And they're the ones speaking in your ear. They're the ones telling the, the mediums and the psychics to tell you what to, to, to believe. Christians, wake up. Hallelujah. My loved one is watching me from heaven. The Bible says in Hebrews 12 that we are surrounded all day long by a great cloud of witnesses. That means they could see, but it doesn't say that they could talk to you, they could communicate with you, that they could intervene on your behalf. Oh, make sure you keep us safe, Grandma. Don't let me slip on a banana peel, Grandpa. It's foolishness. It's straight-up foolishness. Everybody in the newspaper goes to heaven. Every, every single person that dies goes to heaven in the newspaper. That's a lie. I got to prove it to you. Praise the Lord. First, uh, excuse me, John chapter 1 verse 12. Listen to what the word says. But as many as have received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name. 
And let me tell you, believing alone is not enough. That's why you need to receive Christ. You need to put him on. You need to welcome him into your heart. ABCs, admit, believe, confess. The ABCs of salvation. If you do not uh, 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 take him in, you are not a child of God. We just read it. To those who receive him. Not only believe, because you know what? The devil believes and even shakes and trembles. The demons believe in God. Jesus, in John 3, 3, as he was talking to Nicodemus on the roof in the middle of the night, the teacher of Israel, he said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. If you are not born again, you are not a child of God. If you are not born again, you are not walking in the Spirit. If you are not born again, guess what? You're spiritually dead. I know this is rough. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. I'm trying to be gentle. I'm trying. I'm trying. Hallelujah. Spirit of God. You know, there's sometimes you can't be gentle with the truth, man. It is what it is. Praise God. That's why the Bible says that the word of God is like a knife. It cuts both ways. That means it has two blades. It cuts me. It cuts you. Hallelujah. But let me tell you something. Those that are obedient unto him, you are called, you are appointed, and you are anointed. That means you have received the fullness of God's spirit. Did you know that there are 20 gifts of the Holy Spirit? And when you get sealed with the Spirit of God, that means when you become a born-again believer, a child of God, when you enter into the body of Christ, the family of God, the Bible says you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. And that means you don't get a little piece now and the rest later. You get all the Spirit of God in you on the day you receive Christ. You are equipped. And now the Bible says in Romans 5, 5, it says, now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Romans 8.15, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Let me tell you, this world, that's all they do is preach fear. People don't even want to come out of their house. I see people in their cars, even in their own cars, with masks on. If that's you, I love you. Praise the Lord. I'll pray for you. Hallelujah. You're in your own car. You're not going to infect anybody. But because we're so conditioned to hear what they're telling us and believe in the lies of the enemy, we walk defeated you are called you are appointed by God to go and do great exploits how what what are you called to do the great commission to go and bear fruit to release the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven did you know that when you became a child of God that God gave you the keys to the kingdom he said whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven that's kingdom authority he said when you walk into a room tell them hey by the way the kingdom of God is right now suddenly upon you and then he says heal the sick 
cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. That spiritual power, that spiritual authority. Do you know who you are in Jesus? Release the kingdom of God. He said, heal the sick. I want you to think about this. Cleanse the lepers. How? Because the Spirit of God is within you, praise God, through relationship. So many churches are closing and turning people away because they're afraid of being infected by COVID-19 cooties. Our job is not to run away from the cooties, but to cast it out. Cleanse them. Heal them through the Spirit of God, through the blood of Jesus Christ, through the Word of the living God. You have been called for more. You have been called to do great exploits. You haven't been called to stay home and hide. I'm sorry, praise God, but I'm keeping it real. Jesus didn't come to earth to die and rise again so that we could sit here every week on Sunday morning comfortably. That is not Christianity. Christianity is living your faith out loud, openly, publicly, for the entire world to see you live and love Jesus Christ. A credible witness. Romans 8, 11, It says, But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, then He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. What does this mean, saints? It means that obedience is possible. Holiness is possible. It's possible to walk in power and authority and dominion and supernatural power. Listen to what the word said. He said, not only to heal the sick and cleanse the lepers, but he said, raise the dead. What, pastor? You're tripping. He said, raise the dead. He told his disciples, go and raise the dead. I have to stop there because people freak out. Yes, that's part of your ministry, raising dead. Did you know that? If the Lord told you right now, go to a Garnet Medical Center, start taking people out of the freezers and raise them, would you go? Come on now. You know why people won't go? Because they don't have the faith to believe. But see, faith and obedience work hand in hand. It's a marriage. The power of God will be released in your life to the degree of your obedience and no more. If God tells you to sweep the church back in the church, the power will be released for you to accomplish the mission. But then right after you put the vacuum and you wrap up the cord, he says, now I want you to go to Garnet Medical Center and raise every dead person out of the refrigerator in the morgue. If you go, the power is going to be released because it has nothing to do with you. It has to do with the word of God, the power of God within you to go and accomplish the mission. The problem is too many people hear the word of God and say, it must be the devil. That's cray cray. That's insane. I'm going to stay right here and wait for something that I can handle. And then you wonder why God can't move in your life. And then you wonder why God doesn't give you more. 
He says, go and raise the dead. That means resurrection power is within you. We just read it, Romans 8, 11. Did you know that Romans chapter 8 has, I believe, about 11 or 12 promises for every believer? If you read that chapter and study it, there are promises. Highlight the promises. That's what God says you are. Promises available to the believer. Jesus walked into the room and he said, Talita kumi. That means little girl, arise. And that little girl rose from the dead. Let me tell you, there are many recorded cases of people coming back to life physically. And it's true. You probably know people. You've heard stories. You've seen YouTube videos of near-death experience. People that were dead for 15 minutes or 20 minutes. And then they come to life and they tell the whole story. Isn't it funny that all the stories are consistent? They either seen a hot hell place torment or they saw something beautiful, shining light. And they saw their loved ones. And each one of them says, it's not your time. Go back. You can't come in. Deuces. But let me tell you something. I want you to really understand this. Did you know that every single time someone gives their heart to Jesus Christ, they are raised from the dead? Think about it. Every time you lead someone to Jesus Christ, every time someone says, you know what, I need Jesus, every time someone believes and receives and accepts Christ into their heart, they literally come to life from the dead, spiritually dead, to the spiritually alive. Hallelujah. They have literally passed from hopelessness to hope. And do you know that the ministry of every believer is to go and make disciples, to preach and teach the word of God to all creation, to raise the dead. Become alive in the spirit. What was now dead has come to life. I can't even count how many souls have come to Christ in my lifetime. I've lost track. Glory to God. All to the glory of God. There's a song that's beautiful from Crystal Lewis and Ron Canoli. It says, beauty from ashes, strength from fear, gladness from mourning, peace for despair. God's transcendent glory can literally take someone whose life is jacked up. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you even believe. You don't have to know everything. God doesn't want you to become a scholar and then come to the cross. He says, come just as you are right now. There may not be tomorrow. Come the way you are. I'll take you just the way you are. And he begins to pour in and pour in and pour in. And his spirit begins to lead you. And now your boys, your friends are like, yo, let's go to the club. Now I'm not down with that no more. That ain't me no more. Because I know if I went to the club, I'll be miserable. I can't party with you no more. That's not me. I'm a blood-brought child of God. And pretty soon that person you know, he's dead. Hallelujah. How about this? Why don't you come to church with me? How about that? Our job is to cast out devils. Did you know that you essentially are a superhero? You're a superhero.
Tell me about somebody who walks in a room and a demon goes, ah, superhero. You know why? Because the light of God's glory is all over you and the demons are like cockroaches. When you turn on the light, they got to bounce. They got to scurry and flurry because they don't want to be around the presence of the living God. The saints of God who are prayed up, the saints of God who are surrendered under alignment with the Spirit of God, they walk into place and take it over. Hallelujah. Possess the land. That's right. God wants you to be a, dark, a darkness destroyer. How many know that the job, the ministry of every believer is deliverance? Did you know that God is trying to raise you up in 2021 to start delivering demons out of your children, out of your family, out of your household? How about out of this church? God wants you to be a demon hunter. To look out for devils, to stomp them out wherever they show their face setting captives free by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ by the Spirit of God. Listen to what Matthew 10 verse 1 says. And when he had called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of diseases. Look at Ephesians 5.11. Praise the Lord. And Acts 19.15, it says, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Let me ask you a question. Are you famous in hell? I didn't stutter. I'm asking you a straight-up question. Is your picture on the post office in hell? Most wanted. That when you wake up in the morning, run! She woke up. Run for cover. We don't know what kind of mood she's in. She's going to start worshiping God any moment. Run! Do the demons know you? Do they know your name? Demons know. Acts 19.15. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus, I know. And Paul, I know. But who are you? Those are the seven sons of Sceva. They thought they could get the, the gift without knowing Christ. Right. And the demon jumped on them and beat all seven of them up so bad, left them bloody and naked in the street. Yes. So many people don't read their word. They don't pray. They don't worship. And that's why when demons show up in your room at night, when some demon is trying to have sexual a connection with you in bed and you feel paralyzed, you can't move, and you're like, I got to call the pastor. I got to call the pastor. No, you got to start casting out demons. You have power and authority, but you don't know it because you're not in your word. You spend no time in God's presence. And that's why the demons come in and wreak havoc in your family and in your household. There are so many people coming from so many different religions. Do you know that there are religions that, that dissuade you? They, they prevent you from reading the word. They don't even want you to read the Bible. Because they're saying you couldn't ever understand it. Let the priest tell you. Let the priest show you. Because you're not skilled to read the word. 
Revelation chapter 1, right in the very first chapter, it says, Blessed is he who reads the pages of this prophecy. Blessed is he. There's an extra blessing for the person that reads the content of this book. This is why it's so important to be discipled. I'm doing my best to get through this. Hallelujah. Discipleship. Be fruitful in every good work. Jesus called you to multiply, to reproduce. God hasn't called you to go and make converts. Converts, guess what? Converts do not reproduce. Converts remain infants. They are called saved babies. I don't want to grow up. I'm a Toys R Us kid. Lots of toys and things to play with, whatever that song is. I forget that song. Hallelujah. Are you a Toys R Us kid? Converts cannot make disciples because they weren't disciples themselves. Jesus said, make disciples. Do you know that a disciple is mature? A disciple reproduces, multiplies. Did you know that a disciple knows the word of God, rightfully dividing the word of truth? Do you know that the disciple studies and shows himself approved? Do you know that a disciple knows how to push, pray until something happens? Hallelujah. A disciple shares the good news. A disciple is not ashamed of the gospel and will tell his friend, his mother, his cousin, his brother. He'll tell Junebug. He'll tell Papo, Jesus loves you. Jesus died for you. Get your life together. Hallelujah. Disciples are essential to God's plan. Are you a disciple this morning or are you a convert? Disciples are fishers of men. Disciples go out and fish. Let me ask you a question. Where's your water hole, your fishing hole? Do you have a favorite fishing spot? Where do you go to talk to people about Jesus? Where do you go fish? Disciples are supposed to produce fruit. The problem today is that we have a lot of barren trees. Listen. I'm going to put some scriptures on. Mark 11. Now the next day when they had come out of Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. But when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves. For it was not the season for figs. Listen to this. Listen. I want you to pay attention. Here it comes. In response, turn your neighbor and say, in response. It's important you don't miss it. In response, all right, I want you to think about the tree. He goes to the tree, and he's looking for some fruit. And then he can't find no fruit, and he says, in response. You follow me, right? In response, he said, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. Luke 6.44, for every tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from a bramble bush. When he looked at the tree and he answered it in response to the communication that the tree was putting forth. Do you understand? He was answering the tree. 
Some might say a tree can't talk, but we just read a tree is known by its fruit. In response, did the tree ask him a question? Didn't have to because it made a statement. The visible tree itself spoke to Jesus and it spoke to the world. Did you know that your life speaks to others? There's a quote, unknown person. It says, our lives are some of the only Bible people will ever read. Let me ask you a question. What hangs on your tree? Would the fruit of your tree be good enough to eat? What kind of fruit are you producing in and out of season? Or are you a fruitless tree? Are you a soul winner? Are you a fisher of men? Or are you a barren tree? All lip service and no action. Deuteronomy 23, 14. Listen, don't allow God to turn away from you. Here's what it says. For the Lord your God walks in the midst of your camp to deliver you and to give your enemies over to you. Therefore, your camp shall be holy that he may see no unclean thing among you and turn away from you. Matthew 5.16, let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You see, this tree denied everyone and it stood behind the reason it's not in the season to give figs. Well, technically, I'm still a tree, but there's no fruit because it's not the right season for the fruit. How many say, well, right now, I I can't go to church because it's not the right season. I'd rather stay home and be safe. Hallelujah. Because it's not the season to go back to church. You see, we could rely on excuses. We could rely on culture. We could rely on other things. But the reality is your life, your tree, your identity is speaking a message loud and clear. This tree denied everyone a fruit. It was communicating outwardly. I'm healthy. I look good. Look at these big old leaves. As soon as things start to change outside, I'm going to give up some fruit. As soon as things get better, I'm going to give you something to eat. But right now, there's nothing for you to eat because I don't have nothing in me. No life. Jesus was not convinced. He was not even pleased. Some of us are like this tree. We're pretty on the outside, but we have no fruit. We know how to say the right things to make people think we're okay. But we're barren. Lifeless ministry. We're barren of vision. We're barren of direction. We are babes in Christ. Jesus spoke out loud to this tree. And what did he say? Let no one ever eat of this fruit again. Here it goes. Praise the Lord. Let no one eat from you ever again. In other words, 
let no one be spoiled by you ever again. Do you know that when you start living your life like that, your friends, your peeps, your BFF, best friends forever, BFFs, they start mimicking some of your own actions? Did you know that when you start to go down and you got people around you, we all go down. We know the, the sayings, right? Uh, lay down with dogs, wake up with fleas. It's Spanish. Tell me who you hang with, I'll tell you who you are. Right? Bad company corrupts good character. Serving Christ is not a game. You don't come to Jesus to get a fire insurance policy from hell. You come to Christ because you realize that you're lost without him. You come to Christ because you say, I know that if I'm left to myself, there's nothing good that dwells within me. I come to Christ because I want to learn how to love him and walk in obedience and to trust him, to trust his word. There's so many bench warmer Christianity people out there. People that are sitting on the bench watching other people play the game. God didn't call you to be a sanctified sitter. God didn't call the church to be bench brethren. He called us to go out into the street and to not accept mediocrity as our place. This year is a year of you being essential to God's plan. God does not work his plan through sinners. He works through his essential disciples, his redeemed blood-brought saints. Salvation, like I said earlier, is a gift of God lest anyone should boast. But we are also saved unto good works. I want you to listen to this. Ephesians 2, I'm going to read verse 10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in Thank them. You, Lord. Did you know that the works of your hands, your ministry will be tried one day? It will be revealed by fire. The Bible says your works are going to be tested. 1 Corinthians 3, 12 through 17. I'm going to read that. And then it's going to be followed by 1 Peter 4, 18. It says, now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become clear. For the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work. Of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Do you not know that you are a temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells within you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy. Which temple are you? One day, we're going to be under God's magnifying glass. Our works will be tried by fire. Do you know that there's an angel in heaven right now, a scribe, writing down every single word, every idle thought, every single thing you do in this lifetime is being recorded forever and ever. The Bible says some will suffer loss in heaven. Why? Because they will get there. They say the Bible says they'll be saved, but when they enter in, they'll say, man, Look at all the things that these people have done for God. And what have I done? I've done nothing. First Peter. Now if the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? Imagine that. I'm coming to a close in Jesus' name. As soon as this thing clicks, hallelujah. 
Saints, you are called for more. We were called to be more, to do more, to give more, to learn more, to serve more, to pray more, to worship God more. We've got to stop the excuses. We can no longer settle for complacency or, or going with the flow. We can't become part of this world culture. Instead, we are to expose it. You are God's beloved. You are his treasure. People are dying and going to hell, and it's not okay. Saints of God, remember, if you've seen a house on fire, would you just walk by and say, I'm not going to ring the doorbell because I don't want to offend them. No, you'd run, you'd bang, get out, fire, you'd bang, you'd, you'd let them worry about being angry with you later, but you're going to try to prevent them from being burned alive. So many of us are waiting, oh, let me wait till I'm a friend, and then I'll, I'll see if I could talk to them about Jesus. It's not biblical. Jesus was intentional. Think of the woman at the well. He didn't wait for her. He struck up a conversation. People of God, now is the time where the church has to start striking up conversations. People won't take a track from you because if they think that it has the cooties. You got to open your mouth. The greatest time on earth is upon us now. I believe that the church is going to see mass uh, 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 repentance and mass salvations. Thousands and thousands of people are going to be coming to Christ greater than the early church. Thousands daily. Remember 9-11 when that happened in our country? In 9-12, the churches were flooded with people. The very next day, let me tell you, don't wait for crisis to come to Christ. You are essential to God's plan. You are part of his greatest revival, of the greatest time where the prophets of old have prayed to be alive during this time. Yes. And God is saying, this is reserved for you. You are going to be the one to do the work. As I close, for real this time, hallelujah. Church, we do this every year, but I'm telling you the truth. I'm calling for 21 days of fasting and prayer. I'm calling the church to level up, to consecrate, to get right before God. Now, don't panic. I'm not asking you to starve for 21 days. But for the next 21 days, we as a church, some may want to choose Monday. Others will choose Tuesday, some Wednesday, some Thursday, some Friday. But every day of this week, someone in this church should be dedicating time of fasting before the Lord. And we should, as a church, for the next 21 days... Take turns, alternate, do two days a week, three days, whatever God leads you to do. But, but fast unto God. Let me tell you why this is so important. And, and let me just say this. I'm not asking you to fast Facebook or fast Instagram or Twitter or whatever they are out there. Uh, uh, this is not a TV fast. It's not a movie fast. It's food. Food fast. Amen. I'm going to allow God to speak to you to tell you how long, when, and how. But the fasting, it has to be food. Praise God. We're sacrificing our body. The fasting isn't for God to hear from you. It's from you. It's for you to hear from God. Amen. You want to know what God's will is in your life? Begin to start fasting. It's your spiritual act of worship, your reasonable service. Why did God call you? Why are you seated here today? What is the Holy Spirit trying to tell you? How are you essential to God's plan? 
How about this? What gifts has God given you to serve in the kingdom of God? What role do you play? How will God use you to be a fisher of men, a soul winner, a demon hunter? You're only going to get those answers in prayer and in fasting. Now is the time for a clean slate. Did you know that with God, you could come to him each and every morning is a clean slate, a do-over. Repentance is the deepest level of change a person can ever have. Jesus said in John 3, 5 and 6, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Saints of God, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repentance is a change of ownership. It means that you become God's property. Repentance is a passageway from death to life. Jesus says it will cost you everything. You'll lose friends. You'll lose family. You'll lose loved ones. They're going to say, you're crazy. What happened to you? Where is my friend? This is uncomfortable. I don't understand it. It's going to cost you everything. He says, if you want to be my disciple, you must pick up your cross, deny yourself, and follow me. What better way to start 2021 than by being resurrected, raised from the dead spiritually, and entering into 2021 with eternal life, guaranteed through Christ Jesus. Think about that this morning. God bless you, saints of the Most High God. We are so grateful to God for allowing us the opportunity to share this message with you. Thank you for listening. We want you to know that you are all in our constant prayers. If you've been blessed by today's program, why not consider partnering with us? To make a donation is easy. You can visit us online at www.specchurch.net or you can call us at 845-956-0133. Once again, that's www.specchurch.net or 845-956-0133. We invite you to worship with us one Sunday morning soon. Thank you again for your prayers and support. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God bless you.